beer sound. Hello, Internet. My name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, as always, your host of Drink to the Past. And uh, I have to drink because I already did the ubiquitous opening monologue on our YouTube version, which is live. So check us out. We're going to be live streaming on Fridays, I think, if this goes well. So check us Hopefully. out there. And uh, if not, then, uh, you know, if you don't feel like that, then definitely keep checking in with us on uh, Podbean or Apple. We'd love to have you drink along with us either way. So uh, let me raise the first live stream drink of here. If you're drinking along at home. Anyways. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot Sean drinks something stupid today. Is uh, so I was in my D and D group yesterday, and and we had a interesting discussion because I I had some brownies and milk, like right after supper, and I was sitting down so I to D and D, and I'm eating my brownies and drinking my milk, and usually I have a beer, and we have a a drinking game that we play uh, during D and D, and um, uh, it it came up a couple of times that I should have drank, but all I had was milk, so I was like, ah, this is. This, this could be, like, way better, but I'm just drinking milk. And, and somebody said, oh, come on, you could at least have a white Russian. So uh, I, I was like, well, yeah, I guess. Let's see. I could. So how could I make this into a white Russian just from milk? I could just have milk and vodka. That'd be close, similar to a white Russian. Uh, and then somehow we got talking about uh, if you were mixing milk and tequila instead, would that be a white Mexican or a Hispanic Russian? Uh, I mean, definitely be mixed drink, whatever it was. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's uh, I, I, that, I already regret saying that. Uh, so, well, I got my culturally appropriate Mandalorian mug here. It's Boba Fett, but you know, he's still a Mandalorian. He's, he's he still counts. So, yeah. everybody's watching Mandalorian right now. So, uh, another name that was suggested for this stupid drink is. Um, Milk of Tequila. It's like milk of magnesia, but it, it's tequila-y. I actually like that name a lot better. <sighs> hmm. <laughs> this is exactly as awful as I thought it would be. Is it pretty gross? It's pretty gross. <laughs> I guess agave and uh, agave and yeah, I didn't coffee think cream that... liqueur and all that doesn't mix. Yeah, well, it's not even coffee cream. It's literally just milk and tequila. It's got Han Solo on the other side. You're missing all my cool glassware if you're not watching on YouTube, so check us out there. Hashtag shameless plug. Hashtag I said hashtag out loud. Hashtag also that's what the kids do these days, ain't it? Hashtag get off my lawn, you fucking hippie. You're also missing my playthrough of uh, River City Girls. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, uh, what you been playing lately? Speaking uh, of that... Well, I just picked up PUBG today and played that for the first time. I know I'm very late to the, uh, very late to that game, but uh, I was having fun with that. I guess you're earlier see... than me. I still haven't played any PUBG. I hear stuff about it occasionally, yeah. and I'm like, eh, I already played Fortnite. I've also been playing MTG Arena, mm -hmm. and uh, let's see. No, it, uh, it's been a while since I've had a what have I been playing kind of thing. I've been playing a lot of Demon Crawl, which is I played on the stream last time, which is the uh, 
which is basically a roguelike minesweeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And last but not least, I uh, finished up kind of an eldritch horror campaign uh, one shot. Eldritch that... horror or eldritch horror? It's eldritch a very horror. important distinction. Eldritch horror. Eldritch <laughs> horror. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, I was going to announce that we were live on Twitter and things, so I should probably do that. And I should probably introduce myself. Hello, I'm Chris, just a little too into anime, Audette. Yeah, just uh, a little. How do I get the link off of here? This is a little awkward. I've never done this before. What, what is the link for my video? I suppose I could go to the actual YouTube and see... Where is... YouTube. Hmm. This is difficult. <laughs> Yay! Streaming for the first time and having to figure it all out. I mean, I, I streamed before, but I was just... I had one tab open of my game and one tab open of my, uh, you know, chat and stuff, so it wasn't quite as bad. Uh, whereas, oh, boss fight! Oh, sweet. Minor spoilers if you're... If you're, you know, if you're watching... Yeah. The second boss in the game, so... Yeah, you know. That'll go. Okay, hey, yeah, if you're, look here. I got my if you're phone. watching. Yeah. The second boss in the game, so... Yep. Yeah, you know. Oh, That'll gosh, go. now okay. I'm getting a hey, slight delay on here. I got If you're watching. Because it... Yeah. It, oh, gosh. There we go. Hold on, share. No, I can't... Why can't I share? This is confusing. The layout... If you're watching. Because it... Yeah. Okay, there we go. Are you having the technical... I'm taking a lot of drinks right now, I okay. just gotta say. That's good. I'll, I'll drink to that. <laughs> so myself, I've just been playing um, Tales of Vesperia a lot this week. I keep thinking it's going to end, and then it's a JRPG, so it keeps being like, No, I'm not over. There's another plot twist. Or, remember this character for 20 hours ago? And you're like, Oh, yeah. What What's what he been doing? So... It's, uh, it's, it's leading up to good stuff. It's, I'm happy with it, um, but it is slightly, uh, slightly staying longer than I expected it would, so. But, you know, what you gonna do? Yeah. I mean, JRPG's kind of JRPG. Right. Take 50 hours. Mm-hmm. Unless they're Chrono Trigger, in which case you finish up at a reasonable time and actually leave people wanting more. Yeah. Alright, so I've officially posted that we're live on our social media accounts. So if you found your way over here from a social media account, then thanks for coming over. Um, I've also been playing um, a little bit of... Uh, what's that game? No More Heroes. Uh, so I've beaten like three bosses in that. That's still just... One of the wackiest games ever. I fucking love that game. So, uh, super happy it's on Switch now. Um, and Jedi Fallen Order, which uh, is on Game Pass, so I checked it out. Because, uh, you know, Jedi games are cool. Star Wars is awesome. I'm in, like, full Star Wars mode now, because, like, The Mandalorian is coming out, and, y- you know, every week. And, uh... Speaking of which, there's a new episode today. Oh, shit, I'm behind. I have to drink. Um, but... With that, um, I'm also, like, getting into the Star Wars game, and, like, when there's not Mandalorian to watch, I've been watching, like, the Star Wars cartoon series on Disney Plus and stuff. I'm watching, like, Star Wars Rebels. 
Um, just totally all about Star Wars right now, and it's awesome. Uh, but uh, Jedi Fallen Order is actually a really cool game. Um, a lot of people are comparing the combat to Dark Souls because uh, it's it's kind of a little bit, you know, you just got to kind of watch enemy patterns. Do you dodge here? Do you block here? Do you use your force power? Or, you know, because some enemies will, like, you'll use your force powers on them and they'll get really pissed off and they'll hit you really hard. So, uh, sometimes, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's uh, not as, like, unforgiving as Dark Souls, I don't think, but the there's kind of a crossover in the ideas behind the combat, I think. Um, and as well, I feel like I've never played a game that feels as Star Wars-y as this game. So, there's something to be said about that. Hey, we have one concurrent viewer. Welcome, viewer. We are glad to have Welcome, you here. Welcome, singular viewer. Yeah. Well, I, I guess it could be two viewers, like, watching over each other's shoulder, but that's, like, that's weird. Be a hundred viewers being live streamed at an event, in which case they're violating COVID restrictions. That is true, unless they're like in a movie theater that they rented out specifically to watch my podcast, which I did not tell anybody was going to be live streamed until it was being live streamed. So that seems very unlikely. Um, hey, Chris, what you drinking? You forgot. Uh, I am. Drinking a left-hand peanut butter milk stout, which is uh, fairly kind of... I don't think I've had that one. Uh, I've had a handful of a... peanut butter like stouts and peanut butter porters and stuff like that, but I don't think I've had one from Left Hand. Uh, but generally, I, gotta say, I like their stuff okay, so... it's. I feel like the batch's quality is uneven, hmm. if that says anything. Because I've had two that were really good, and one that was kind of, like, it had, like, a weird bitter taste to it. Huh. That, you know, other than, like, just the normal bitterness you'd get from beer. Right. right. Uh, but this one, this one, I'm really enjoying the hell out of this one. Mm-hmm. Jeez, 16? Yeah, 16, I'd say? Cool. Uh, this, uh, Milk of Tekesia, I'm going to give a 3.2. It's not the worst thing I've had on the podcast, but it is not good. I do not recommend you do this. <laughs> I'm, I'm dreading the fact that I poured this, and now I feel obligated to finish it. <laughs> so, shall we get into the news and booze? Yeah, since let's. we're already into the booze part. All right, so news and booze this week. Let's start with our favorite system that everybody's always talking about is Pokemon Go. That's everybody's favorite game, right? Uh, Pokemon Go is getting a total rebalance, and uh, the level cap is increasing to 50. Uh, if you get to level 40 by the end of the year, you'll get a free couple of in-game items and a permanent title uh, with, like... Uh, so it's, it's like a rare achievement, basically, that you'll never be able to get again after December 31st. So that's kind of cool. And I'm, like, level 39, and I have been, like, I think all year. Maybe not. I, no, I think I became level 39 this year sometime. But I really have no idea when, and I have not been playing that much Pokemon Go, because, you know, I, I, I don't go places, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, considering uh, 
the current state of the world. Yeah, but now I'm kind of like, okay, I really want to grind it out because I'm this close. I'm level 39, and I'm a fucking day one Pokemon Go player, and it'll be kind of, like, annoying if I don't get this. Um, but they're also adding some interesting stuff to get between level 40 and 50, uh, there's, like, specific quests you have to do, like catch 100 Pokemon or defeat 100 Team Rocket guys or stuff like that. So it's uh, it's going to be a little more intense than just the experience grind that it has been thus far. So I think that's kind of cool. Add a little more diversity to actually leveling up. Yeah, you know what? I would agree with that. Yeah. Um... You played Pokemon Go once. What do you think? Uh, I downloaded the app. I don't didn't think you... I ever actually properly played it. Didn't you catch a Pokemon? I thought we were all sitting around at somebody's house and, and you caught a Pikachu. But I, I could be wrong. I don't remember. That was, a, you know, four years ago when it launched or something. Pokemon Go is four years old. That's crazy. Anyways. Yeah, uh, it was kind of a big thing in 2016. Yeah. Uh, other news and booze, uh, River City Girls, which you can see Chris streaming now, is, uh, now on Game Pass. Like, so, yes, this is a game that needs more exposure. This, this game is great. Yeah, um, I played, uh, one of the River City Ransom games at some point on a Super Nintendo emulator, I think, and I remember it being pretty fun. Uh, so, how does it live up to, like, the originals? Uh, it's like, I would say it's short and sweet, and it does kind of have a, uh, just a, an ending that if you have any investment in the characters at all, it, uh, it just kind of kicks you in the nuts. Hmm. But other than that, it's like a fantastic side-scrolling brawler. Awesome. I like me a good beat-em-up. I've been, like, kind of thinking of what exactly to call No More Heroes, because I've been playing that lately, and it's totally just a 3D beat-em-up. And I, oh yeah, but you really never think of beat 'em ups as being 3D. So I, I was like, it d does that count? How does that work? Is there another 3D beat 'em up out there? I'm sure there is, but it's probably not as ridiculous as No More Heroes, and therefore not as awesome. Uh, there. I think there was a time in like the Wii era when there was a bunch more, a bunch more uh, 3D beat 'em ups. Yeah. But I got a on my screen here where we're streaming, and it's strange because my actual cursor is not there. My actual cursor is on my other monitor doing other stuff, but they both move at the same time. So, sorry about this distracting-ass cursor just picking my nose here. Pick, 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 pick. I'd pick Chris's nose, too, but he's just an avatar portrait. I'll yeah, pick, I'll pick I'm really his avatar's glad nose. pick my nose. You can pick your friend's nose, and you can pick your friend's, but you can't pick your nose. Is that how that goes? That is not... That's not how that goes. The Video Game Awards got their nominees in. So, uh, that's kind of cool. I'm not going to go through every single category, because there's a buttload of them. Um, one of the interesting things I thought I would maybe go over is that they did add a new category this year, which is, uh praising developers for adding new accessibility features uh, for different players, uh, which I think is kind of cool for... Because um, 
you know, that's that's a thing that is kind of overlooked sometimes. And sometimes, like, accessibility goes a really long way into broadening your potential audience. So, I think that's kind of neat. Um, but I'll go over the um, Video Game Award nominees for Game of the Year, at least. Which are Animal Crossing, New Horizons, Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Hades, The Last of Us Part Two, and Ghost of Tsushima. So... I feel like there's no, like, no, all of those were kind of expected. Um, the only one I was a little surprised by is Doom Eternal, actually, because when they said there would be six, I was kind of thinking Demon's Souls Remastered would be in there, but I'm wondering if that just came out a little too late, so it'll be pushed into next year like they do sometimes, like, um... Jedi Fallen Order is in a couple of categories. It released last December, so it was technically a 2019 game, but the way that they're, they always have their thing at the start of December for the Game Awards, so they're, they're, I, I, I'm not sure exactly how their window is, so I was kind of wondering about that. I'm like, is Demon's Souls gonna sneak in next year and, and, you know, wreck everything for, for awards? Because I am hearing literally nothing but great reviews for this uh demon souls and it's really the only exclusive uh only made for a next gen system game that really exists right now uh is a ps5 exclusive that's built from the ground up specifically for ps5 that's not a cross-gen release uh everybody's saying that that fact really goes into it and makes it that much better so I was a little surprised to see that's not there. Uh, what do you think about these, Chris? Uh, about Demon Souls Remastered not being on the list, or just in general? Uh, both and or either. Uh, well, I was actually happy to see some of those games on those lists, and I because I was reading through them, I was like, "Ooh, I need to pick up that." Ooh, I need to pick that up. Mm -hmm. uh, which is usually a good sign. It means. I did not have that feeling so much last year. Right. Through that list. Yeah. Um... Uh, as for Demon's Souls Remastered, uh, I'm not sure why the exclusion is. It could... I, I don't know if they tend to exclude remakes. Um, Although they I included mean, Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy VII remake. remake is on there, which... Yeah, but Final Seven. That's Final a little Fantasy. bit of a different case, obviously, but yeah. they had... Uh, I feel like they've had remakes and stuff in, in the past. Because they had Resident Evil 7 remake, I think. Was, was that it last year? Or one, one of the Resident Evil remakes got some nominations last year, I believe. And now uh, was it was an RE2. Maybe it Resident was RE2 2. remake, yeah. So, and just from uh, what I'm looking at about this game, it, it, it feels like... It's something new to behold, even if you have played it before. So, I feel like it's new enough that it w it should count. So, I'm not sure why it wouldn't. But but it, it could also just be that, you know, the, whoever picks the games likes these games better. I don't know. That's fine too, well, I guess. But I'm, I think the games are selected by a panel. Yeah. It's my under that would be my understanding. Mm. But I am happy to see Doom Eternal on there because uh, I beat that game last week. I mentioned briefly on the podcast, um, and that game was a is a good, solid shooter. I think it's a good contender for this year. I don't think it'll beat out The Last of Us Part Two or Ghost of Tsushima 
or Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, I feel like those ones were kind of just hailed by critics better, and I feel like the critic opinion for the Game Awards matters a little more than the fan outcry. So even though there's all this controversy and bullshit about Last of Us 2, I feel like that's the one that's going to take it away. Uh, I feel like Animal Crossing might be that little oddball, just because it had such an impact on gaming culture as a whole. Um... I think there's something there, but I still don't. I still think it's just going to Last of Us 2. Hades, as much as I keep hearing great stuff about that, every year the Game Awards puts in one indie game in the Game of the Year category, and I feel like it's just for posterity to be like, yeah, we nominated an indie game. Like a couple of years ago, it was Cuphead, and Celeste was there one year. Uh, and obviously, great games, but. They're not going to win because they're indies, I feel like, is what it comes down to with this show particularly. Have you played Hades, Chris? Uh, I have not played Hades. Hades was the biggest one on the list that I thought to myself, hey, I want to pick that up. Yeah. And I think I think that one actually, you said that was an indie, right? Yeah. It's kind of in a weird space between indie and not. It's kind of, right. just, you know. But I think that I would be surprised if Hades didn't sweep at least one award. Yeah, it's also nominated in a few different categories, I think, as well. So it, it, I did, I think it could come away with something, even though I don't think it'll come away with Game of the Year. Um, my Game of the Year so far is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, and the only thing that might tip the scales is our next piece of news and booze that Age of Calamity released today. So I played that briefly. I didn't say it in uh, the What You Playing, but I have played it uh, for a little while. Um, I picked up where I was done with the um, demo that came out, because you can just take your demo save data and, and go right into the game with it, which is kind of cool. So I didn't have to replay the start of the game or whatever. And I kind of looked at that and I thought, oh yeah, so I'll just get, you know, Two weeks ago, I got a little head start into the game. Um, so I've played through uh, three of the four kind of next chapters are basically where you're playing as Zelda and Link going around Hyrule to assemble the champions as a team. Uh, so you go to the champions one by one and unlock them as different playable characters. Uh, actually, no, I did, I did finish all four of those. So now I'm going to go to the next something. Uh, so it's it's pretty cool, though. Um, I feel like it plays just smoother than the original Hyrule Warriors. I feel like the gameplay is refined and just kind of made a little nicer. Like, it's all easy quality of life things. And there's also some kind of interesting strategy elements that come into it. Because, like, if an enemy is charging, you can use your Cryonis, like in Breath of the Wild, to make a big-ass ice block. And then they'll charge into that ice block, and it'll stun them for a little while, so you can get some hits on. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, so every one of the champions and playable characters has all four runes. Your Stasis, Magnesis, Cryonis, and your Bombs. And depending on, you know, what different enemies are doing, you can, like, strategize that way and be like, okay, he's vulnerable now if I use this rune. Or you can just, you know, do it like in the original Hyrule Warriors where, okay, I'll wait for an opening and then I'll hit his weak point gauge down. Or you can just, uh, you know, wail on him forever for a while will eventually work. Um, 
or you can do the dodge and flurry rush thing, just like in Breath of the Wild. Uh, which so it's it's just it feels like every character has a ton more uh, potential things they can do strategy wise to fight the enemies. So I really am happy with the gameplay of it so far. Um, if I have one minor gripe, it's that cutscenes kind of interspersed like they basically have like one cutscene at the start of every mission and one cutscene at the end and I feel like just the way that it's broken up kind of makes it less immersive as a story not to say that it's bad but it's just I feel like it's told a little awkwardly because it's just kind of like you know you're, you're playing this game for half an hour and you get one minute of story on the front and one minute of story on the back <laughs> so it's it works so there, it, for the style of in the middle. very there's rarely. No sometimes, like when you like in the chapter with Rivali, uh, he's confused and so he sends his army against you. And so, like partway through, you get a little cutscene where Rivali actually comes out and fights Link himself. Uh, so you'll get like little snippets like that, but it's it. So far, it's nothing, like, important happening in the middle of a chapter, which I feel like works well to Warriors gameplay, because, you know, you don't want to necessarily break up the action in a Warriors game for very long, so I can see why they did it, but I, at the same time, I'm kind of like, I wish it was, you know, more integrated. One of the best things about Breath of the Wild is it really integrated the story with the gameplay and the exploration and all that stuff kind of simultaneously. So, but that's really hard to capture in a Warriors game. So for what it's doing, I think it's doing it fine. But it's just like coming from from just replaying Breath of the Wild, it's like, this could be a little better, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how exactly, but... It's fine, but it's it's good game. I would recommend it, especially if you're a Zelda fan uh, or a Warriors fan. That's pretty cool. Uh, Chris, you got this yet, or are you looking at picking it up? I am looking at picking it up. I'll have to. We'll have to wait and. I, I'll, I'll probably pick it up. Uh, or I may. Uh, let, let's see. I'll have to. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little distracted. Right, yeah. I'm like just trying to listen to the, you know, cogs of your mind, balance your checkbook and figure out your budget and how to get 60 extra bucks this month and at the same time you're fighting for your life. <laughs> yeah. That's uh I, I fully intend to pick it up. I just haven't uh yet picked it up. So mm -hmm. I think that game is probably pretty close pretty uh, high on my docket for soon picking up. Yeah. Is it just because it's a Zelda game? Uh, it's because I feel like it'll fill in some stuff for Breath of the Wild and also I haven't really played a Dynasty Warriors game and this one looks given that it's kind of in that vein. Yeah. Gameplay-wise it's largely the same to you know, any given Dynasty Warriors game. I feel like, like I said, the strategy elements kind of set it apart, makes it a little more interesting than the original Hyrule Warriors, as well as pretty much any other Dynasty Warriors game that I've played. 
because, you know, largely they're just kind of hack and slash, you know, beat up a billion enemies. Uh, and, you know, every now and then you find a big guy and you have to pay attention for five minutes. Uh, which, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I feel like uh, if you're going to get into this kind of game, it maybe works better to do so in the format of a you know, a franchise that you really care about, like Zelda, or, you know, if you really cared about Fire Emblem, maybe jump on the Fire Emblem Warriors or something like that, or, you know, they, they, they go all over the place. They've done the Gundam one, and, uh, they're doing the, uh, Persona one that's coming out next year, so I feel like that, that kind of makes it an interesting jumping in point, and then if you really do kind of dig the gameplay, then maybe go back and check out some of the rest of them, uh, because, Largely, they they all play pretty close to the same. It's all kind of combos based on heavy and strong or heavy and weak attacks, um, and it's and they're they're all pretty solid games. So, if you dig it's that pretty, style of gameplay, then I I check it out. It's a pretty standard formula, I'd say. Yeah, it's nothing like overbearing. At any point, I think its simplicity is is one of its strong points. You know, sometimes it's just great to just, you know, mash two buttons and kill billions of guys. It's 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 fun. Um, last piece of news and booze is a little bit of a weird one. Um, so earlier this week, Nintendo Everything uh, reported that uh, several claims from various fans were coming in that GameStop stores had called them and notified them that their Doom Eternal pre-orders were canceled for Nintendo Switch, because Doom Eternal uh, got delayed back in, you know, March, and so far, nobody knows what the hell's going on with this. Um, so, for a little while, everybody was like, oh god, is the Switch version completely canned? What's going on here? Um, so, shortly after uh, Bethesda released this statement, uh, quote, while Doom Eternal is 100% on track for an imminent digital-only release on Nintendo Switch, the absence of a physical release at retail resulted in cancelled pre-orders. Affected customers will receive full refunds and should contact their preferred retailer for more information. So, at the very least, they did kind of confirm, like, hey guys, this is, this is going on, but it's a little weird that they've canceled the physical version you know eight months after it was supposed to come out because it was supposed to well even longer because first it was supposed to come out actually in november last year on switch and other consoles at the same time and then they pushed back the other console versions to march and this year and then the switch version they gave a tba they were just like yeah no no date so that just struck me as a little strange in the first place. And the fact that it's been eight months with no news on it has been a little weird. And then I feel like it's also extra weird that once they cancel it, um, before anybody is notified, you know, fans are getting their calls from GameStop being like, hey, your pre-order was canceled. And they're like, what the fuck, man? I feel like that's just a shitty way to find find out all this. I feel like they should have maybe made the statement before 
you know? Because I, yeah. I, I feel like this probably has been a decision that's been in the works for a while, and they could have theoretically released this, you know, little uh, blurb on... I forget if it was on their blog or where it was. Uh, it was it's in the Nintendo Everything article. Go, go check them out. They're cool. Um, so... Definitely could have been handled better. Yeah, and... It's also kind of lousy that it's not coming out physical on Switch, because now I'm not going to buy it on Switch. Like, I might have double-dipped for it for a physical version, but I'm not going to double-dip for a digital version. That that That's just kind of who I am. I, yeah, I, I feel that... like for some people, it's not really going to matter. And for a lot of people, I feel like it was already kind of a kick in the balls to have it delayed for eight months. You know, I mean, still, they haven't actually given a release date, so it could be even more than that, obviously. They say imminent digital-only release, so theoretically, it could release this month, it could release next month, they could just shadow drop it after the next Direct, who the fuck knows. But, you know, it's just a, kind of a weird scenario, and, yeah, lousy way to find out about it. Yeah, that's pretty kind of bad handling on their part i would say yeah um there's not necessarily rumors but there's a kind of hearsay a lot of people are saying that this might be a decision that came uh because microsoft bought out bethesda because that was obviously not very long ago so theoretically that could have something to do with this what do you what do you think about these uh kind of ideas do you think that, that has anything shift. to do with it uh possibly oh. but they should also if you're buying i feel like if you're buying a company uh you should have the uh necessary uh things in place to you know not you should have the necessary uh, staffing in place and the necessary structure in place to be able to continue delivering on the plans that the company was or originally going to deliver on in the first place. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, not doing that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth behind that. And I think Microsoft understands that, which is part of the reason I don't buy into this idea at all myself. Um, I feel like... It just is coincidence. I feel like this is the kind of decision that has to be in the pipeline for a little while before they fully make it. And I don't feel like... Uh, I feel like Microsoft is the kind of company that likes money. So if they could make extra money by making a physical version, why the fuck wouldn't they? Because Microsoft, of all companies you know, probably has the dough to just put up to just be like, yeah, we can make it as long as we're making a profit off of it. So I think probably the issue was discovered along the way that it's taking more money than they thought or more time because or more money because more time, maybe, you know, it's hard to say exactly uh, what all goes into this because I'm not a game developer, but I feel like the biggest issue here is probably just the cost of the Nintendo Switch cartridge because it costs a lot more to make a game on a Nintendo Switch cartridge than it does on a Blu-ray disc. And I feel like at the 
it's a bottom line kind of thing. It's just like they're not going to make money off of it if they do a physical version. Yeah, but they could always charge the uh, the just an increased price for the physical version. They could, but I mean, how well do you think people would really take to that? And how long would it last? Because also Bethesda and particularly Doom games of late are kind of in that category of games where like people just wait on them for six months to a year for a sale because they know it's going to happen. And at that point, you know, you might be making pennies on the dollar on a Blu-ray disc and you're probably making negative pennies on the dollar on a Switch cartridge. You know, if, for, for this demographic of people, they know that Doom is going to be on sale a year after release for half yeah. off or more, you know, because Doom Eternal has already had several sales in its eight months on the market. It's gone down to 40 several times uh, for Black Friday sales. I'm seeing it for like twenty nine ninety nine. You know, this this is kind of a, a part of the culture for non Nintendo people. And I feel like the Nintendo people probably wouldn't give that much of a shit, but they might be, you know, at least upset by this, you know, I mean, what are you going to charge? 70 bucks or something like an X-Gen game? And then they're going to be all butthurt because like, oh, Breath of the Wild doesn't cost that much. And Breath of the Wild is a first party game and their Nintendo is notorious for never giving sales for, you know, any of their stuff. I, I feel like this could be best handled by an incredibly limited uh, physical, like, physical run that was like oh here's the specialist edition or whatever yeah something like that i think would have been cool to at least appease the fans that wanted one and it would have you know kind of given that artificial demand that that kind of thing happens you know because like with that kind of a limited run like with with mario 3d all-stars is a limited run and they are going to sell literally every copy they print and Doom Eternal, I feel like if they printed it on Switch, would be exactly the same. I don't know that there's that much crossover, though, between uh, Switch owners and the kind of people who would be willing to buy a limited physical edition of Doom. Although, I feel like that would still justify printing an, extreme, an incredibly limited physical edition. Yeah. It's probably less than a Maybe the people who buy PS, uh, buy it on PS4, PS5, you know, elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, so, anyways, it's an interesting scenario uh, to kind of look at. It's kind of lousy for us consumers. Could have been handled better by the company. But, you know, at the end of the day, what you going to do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to play it on Game Pass. Okay. Or PS4, because I bought it on PS4, you know, months ago. So, no skin off my ass, but a little skin off my ass, because I kind of wanted it on Switch, you know? I'm like, I, I, want it, I, want, I want everything on Switch. And, and I feel like I know people that have literally not bought it yet, because they're waiting on the Switch version. And I'm wondering if this is going to, you know, because some people I could see, they're not going to really give a crap. They're going to be like, yeah, whatever. I waited for it on Switch. I'm going to get it, even though it's digital. And But, you know, depending on what kind of person they are, they might just be like, 
I want a physical version and now I can get a physical version for 20 or a digital version for 60. And the digital version is on the platform I like, but the physical version is physical and cheaper. So, kind of a weird scenario. Anyways, uh, shall we get into our table topic for the week? Absolutely. We have not done one of those in quite a while. Yeah, because uh, we accidentally keep having all these video game topics and you know weird podcasts the last couple weeks so sorry about not having a table topic so we're going to lead with it this week um so our table topic this week is uh how should the gm handle events that only involve some of the total group or something secret to a particular player and for this first one here i would say start out by laying the groundwork and say uh it seems like Anytime you have a scene or you run something involving only a particular set of players, everybody else is left out. And for some people, that can be engaging, particularly if you encourage, like, a great choir uh, type of culture. Mm -hmm. uh, but where players can chime in with their ideas and help other players out. But sometimes it's those events are specific to those players and other player and players tend to tune out and sometimes those events end up being secret which means people can be stuck out on a balcony for a while literally yeah as in literally we had two people standing outside on a balcony for 30 minutes while secret stuff happened mm -hmm. once yeah so it's, uh, it's kind of a long time to sort of wait for that so i guess you know depending on the the situation you know, in some cases, that might just literally not be able to be helped. Um, you know, hopefully it should be a, a little more streamlined than that. I've never had it where it took 30 minutes before myself. Usually if, if we have a situation like this, you know, the DM and the other player might go to the other room for, you know, five or ten minutes. Um, and uh, one of the things that has worked really well in uh, my Thursday night game is... Um, the DM, our buddy Owen, uh, will we is this is all an online game, so this won't apply to every situation. But I feel like it works really well in the situations that he applies it, uh, where we're all you know getting together through Discord anyway, and so he'll uh, uh, you know move the pertinent player to the page they need to be on and turn off everybody else's vision on the Roll Twenty app. So only that player can see what's going on exactly, and then uh, he'll actually take, you know, one player at a time or two players at a time, depending on how the party is separated or whatever's going on, uh, and he'll take them into a different chat room within the Discord server. Um, and that, I feel like, works really well, because uh, then you're kind of in the moment with the other player characters, that you're actually there with, you know, the, the other players for the other player characters. And so you can kind of talk about a little bit and, you know, it's not necessarily all role play or whatever. Uh, you know, it's to some extent role play to some extent. It's just, you know, your average, you know, bullshit and D and D group while they have a little bit of downtime and that, and that's fine too. But I feel like it works really well. Um, because you know, well, 
Bob and Jim are over in the next room because they got abducted by vampires or something and dragged into the next room. I don't know what's going on with them, but I'm in this room with Dave and Phil, right? And and we can talk about our situation a little bit, you know, kind of strategize a little bit, maybe, you know, uh, think about should we just handle ourselves? How are they going to do? Should one of us go over there? Should we all go together? You know, that, that sort of thing. You can kind of get into the tactics of it a little, you know, pretty well, I think, uh, with this sort of a scenario. Although I'm not sure that's a ton different uh, from doing it in person and just, you know, having two, two guys step out on the balcony because technically you're all there together. But I feel like through Discord, it, it sort of makes it feel more natural to be in this situation with the other player characters. Uh, so I guess we've done the thing where I've done the thing where I've had people go into another discord room with me to run like a private thing a private event that's going on mm -hmm. but what i found is that the other players are because they're not in a space where they can really interact or help with it they just have to kind of wait on it mm -hmm. uh and obviously this is a case that was specific to the game that i was running they yeah. just kind of checked out mm -hmm. uh which you know, that's never good. And I could have handled that better. I could have... Yeah. Yeah. But I still feel like if you want to have those kinds of situations, uh, there's always a balance to be struck in terms of, like, timeline length. Yeah. Or... Or, or you could have it not not be secret, and then players could still be kind of engaged. Yeah, to some extent, I think that has its its merits too. Um, if it's ha handled correctly and the situation is created well, uh, I think it can make for a more engaging experience overall to have it actually secretive, but if you're not going to be timely about it, then it's immediately going to break immersion. Because if you're if you're less than 30 minutes out on the patio or or you know, in the even in the other Discord chat, right? That's yeah. still going to end up kind of leaving your other players with nothing to do for longer than they can really stay in character or, you know, talk strategy, you know, because it's like, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to heal? Are we going to attack? Are we going to go save him? You, you know, we'll go over our three or four options and, and, probably and be then we'll be done. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, to put a cap on it, I think 10 minutes would be a good, like, don't go more than that, right? Uh, that, that would even maybe be a little bit of a long time. I feel like it doesn't usually take that long with Owen. Uh, but, you know, depending on what's going on, I, I could see it could, depending on, you know, like, especially if it's like, you know, how is the group split, you know? Because we have a big group, too. We have seven players and a DM in that group. So if it's yeah. four players, then, 
that could, you know, that could understandably take a bit longer. That that could push it that 10 minute envelope a little bit. But, you know, if it's like one player and your other six are just sitting here like, uh, all right, so uh, I'm going to shoot it. What are you going to do? I'm going to shoot it. <laughs> you know, you, you can't get 10 minutes out of that. You know, no matter what your strategy is, I feel like you can't. It would it would be difficult to talk about it for more than ten minutes. Um, yeah. Do you think there's a big difference between in-person handling of this and uh, online? Because obviously, I feel like a lot of players nowadays are going to the online, especially with COVID and all that, and just for ease of accessibility in some cases, and. Uh, you know, we, we had to talk about, you know, the pros and cons of online. Uh, that, was, that was a couple of months ago, I think. But, um, yeah, I feel like a, a lot more players are going that route now. Do you think there's a big difference in how this should be handled between either uh, scenario? Uh, I don't think there's a big difference. It all has to do with, like, player, not attention span, but player, like... Patience is a better word. Mm -hmm. uh, and that tends to remain the same no matter what you're doing. Yeah. That's kind of true. Um, I've had it a, like once, I think, in person. Uh, where the DM took me and another player aside, and uh, we had a little conversation about what exactly happened mechanically. Uh, and this this was a little different, because this was actually in a PvP setting, where literally my uh, brother Dan was running this PvP uh, like tournament thing that uh, one of our buddies in our old D&D group came up with this idea that, like, hey, uh, whoever, you know, I'll DM a campaign and it's all a pvp tournament and whoever wins it will uh get to dm the next pvp tournament and we're like okay that's a kind of an interesting idea um so my brother dan won the first one and then he dm'd the second tournament and then they invited me to it and i was like all right i'll get in there and um uh I ended up getting to this point where basically my character was like this six-armed Sahagan mutant. And I was all melee all the time. And if I could get a single round of combat on somebody and full attack them, then there is no way that any player character could possibly live was basically how I built it. And I got to a point where uh, I think one of the guys was incorporeal and one of the other guys was for some reason couldn't be harmed except by magic and I, I i got really screwed because in like there was these like preliminary matches of the tournament and if you won you could like impose restrictions on the other fighters and uh one of them that another character won this uh preliminary match said that nobody could use magic uh items or magic weapons or something so I literally had nothing I could do against this incorporeal target, right? And so 
I did think, though, that with an incorporeal target, basically one of his strategies was he was, like, going around under the ground with a one finger raised in the air so that just his fingertip was above the ground so that nobody could possibly see him, and he would just hide under there until, like, every other player was dead except for one, and then he would pick off the last guy, was basically his strategy. And we're in this giant temple thing, and I cut down this uh, temple and, and like, collapsed it on top of him. Uh, so as to make it so that, you know, as an incorporeal creature, if he's completely encased within something, even though he can phase through stuff, he has to have one part of his body sticking out at any time, or he's, like, permanently stuck there. Uh, so that was my strategy because I had no magic weapons was to bury him in the temple so he could no longer, you know, move whatsoever. Uh, and it almost worked, but in order to kind of, uh, figure out the, the final details of it, he, my brother took me and this other character aside and he made like his save in order to... It, it was kind of a weird bullshit scenario, and I, I, I think he should have died. But uh, long story short, he, he got out, but barely. And then he came up to me and, uh, like, started bargaining with me to, you know, see who could win the tournament. <laughs> or uh, he was like, if you help me win, then, you know, I'll let you live, even though it's a tournament to the death. And I was like, okay, so I'll... I'll do that and then I'll inevitably betray him anyway <laughs> was kind of my strategy going after that and so yeah we so we we go back to the other guy and I, I just uh, you know he doesn't know what's going around and so I'm like my Sahagin guy starts dancing around like oh yeah fuck yeah I killed that guy and uh, he uh, and, and it was it was kind of interesting because like, right away, as a player, the other guy just didn't buy it, even though I, like, I made my bluff check and all that, uh, you know, and so he should have known, or he should have believed that this ghost was dead, but as a player, he was just not buying it, just like, okay, something's shady going on here, so I'm not sure it really had a major effect anyway in that case. Uh, so do you, do you think that there's ever been a time that you've had a major effect from this kind of thing where you've taken a player aside or, or another player has been taken aside and it's really changed the outcome at all? Uh, yes. And that was with, in the, uh, this was again in this one shot where, uh, one of the characters... So I randomly rolled all of the characters had, like, something special going on with them. Mm -hmm. And one of the characters happened to be, like, a half-breed of, like, the monsters they were fighting and didn't know it. Mm. So I told him, basically, in secret, uh, one of them comes to you while you're injured from, like, this gunshot wound and tells you, Hey, just let us kill the people that saw, that, like, saw this video. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll just, and we're just gonna leave you alone. We don't actually want to kill you. And uh -huh. this character had... Uh, one of his backgrounds was antisocial personality disorder. 
So mm-hmm. he went from being like an investigative journalist to being like, all right, I'm going to hide the truth and subtly like betray everybody, <laughs> which I thought was a really unique dynamic. Okay. And that was his choice. I didn't. I was just like, this is what they tell you. What you do is up to you, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, trying to think of what else. I feel like there we haven't spent all this. Um, I was going to say something about. Uh, there is actually a, a scenario where it wasn't like taking a player aside, but I had a couple of. I ha- I've, I've used a little bit of secret information for my players in, in a couple of campaigns. Um, one of them you've played in uh, that I'm thinking of is my Ragnarok campaign, um, where basically uh, you guys came upon one of the gods, and he's just this chaotic god of water, uh, and he's... he Actually, his... Uh, mechanical design was based off of the character I played in that PvP thing. Because uh, he's this six-armed Sahagan god. Except he's gigantic and has, you know, a trident in each hand and just stabs the fuck out of you. Which he literally did to Chris. Because Chris was like, I'm gonna pick a fight with this guy. And then, and then he killed you in a round. I was like, I knew as soon as I picked that fight that I was dead. <laughs> I was like, this was a stupid decision. Why did I do this? Yeah, and then he's like, I attack you 36 times. Or some bullshit. I'd, I'd have to look at his character sheet again to see how many attacks it was. But it was a lot of attacks, and I think they all hit. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, four or five attacks in, and you're like, yeah, I'm out of hit points. <laughs> but um, with this guy, he's just a little bit of a crazy bastard that really more than anything, just wants to sow chaos in the world, uh, which, as the god of water, he does that by just creating sea storms all over the place for no fucking reason other than to, like, bone sailors and (laughs) shit. He's just kind of a chaotic dick. And uh, one of the things that he did was that I kept telling uh, the players throughout your conversation, you have this thought come into your head. And it was one of his uh, psychic powers that he would just make weird thoughts appear in your head. And and I, I so I had these little handout cards that I made of just different weird thoughts. And I didn't look at them before I handed them out. So I didn't know what weird shit you guys were thinking. <laughs> and I just kind of let you guys role play with it. Uh, and some of them were like hey, I bet I could kill that god and steal his divine ranks. And some of them was like, ah, I'm depressed, I should commit suicide. And some of them was like, I wonder when Taco Tuesday is next. Just just Uh, anything from, like, manic depression to let's betray the party to uh, just weird, wacky bullshit. Uh, What did you think of that when I kind of threw that at the party? Uh, I was like, I what I remember about that is that a friend of ours, Josh, was playing my cohort at the time because he didn't have his own character. Right, and he started thinking. He started being like, "Hmm, should I attack this guy?" Uh, and he was thinking about attacking my character, and I was starting to be like, "What are you doing over there? <laughs> You're my cohort, you jackass." <laughs> That's so awesome. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I thought that worked kind of interestingly because everybody had a little bit of a different time with it because some of them were just like, oh man, these are dark thoughts. And some of them were just like, what the fuck? Why do I think, what? Who thinks about Taco Tuesday at a time like this? <laughs> or, or whatever the fuck. I don't even remember what all stupid shit I put on there. But uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of fun. Um, and there's another secret that I gave to you in that campaign, um, and just kind of left it up to you, uh, for what you wanted to do with it. So I gave you kind of a plot spoiler, which was through a MacGuffin that you found, which was the diary of your beloved, if you remember that. Yes, I remember that. And, uh, that, I think that is the sort of thing that made, uh, that made my character commit to destroying Scourge as, like, uh, the world should be protected from this awful thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, I think it's kind of interesting, though, that you haven't really gone into detail with any of the other player characters. Uh, I, I kind of wondered if there was a reason for that. Uh, if it, this is just your personal vendetta and you don't think they need to get roped into it personally even though they're they're physically helping you or or what's up with that so he's like oh that's a it's a, mostly a private matter yeah but uh but he's a but yeah i, I thought this was be an interesting like potential like spoiler to give and so i put the diary in this dungeon so that you could you know, get this backstory on what exactly is going on behind the scenes. Uh, and I didn't know at that point, you know, because with our group, it it's really toss of the dice. <laughs> I have to drink. Um, toss of the dice of who's going to get to the treasure chest first or, or wherever the, the treasure or the MacGuffin is hidden. You know, uh, it's, it's really anybody's game as to who could have found the diary and what they would have done with it. And um, so I didn't necessarily design it with you in mind, but I put it in the dungeon as a thing that could be interesting. And I, I, I wonder if it would have altered the course of the entire campaign, if another player character had found it. So what do you think about that, about making a secret that is not specific to a player, but ends up being specific to a player because of the player that that finds it i think something like that is interesting and i'm actually fine with that so long as every consequence that comes out of knowing that secret is interesting mm -hmm. have you found consequences out of knowing that secret interesting yet uh let's see it's a uh, it's definitely changed uh my character's goal. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. Is there... It may be up to interpretate it, and someone else may interpret it in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, you know, I feel like some player characters might have just you know, shared it with the party right away. Um, you know, depending on the player, obviously, and the character. But, uh, you know, you kind of chose to 
take that your own direction. And I, I think that ended up making for some interesting kind of, uh, you know, things going on later. Uh, the next time you met, um, Grime or I'm not sure if you've met Grime again since that time. We have not met Grime again since that time. Yeah. My character is going to, uh, he's take him apart. A, yeah, he's kind of the recurring villain that's come up a couple of times, so he's he's not done yet. Yeah, but you guys knew that already, so that's not really a spoiler. So, um, yeah, is there anything else that you want to say on this topic before we move on, or uh, uh, uh let's see. Don't leave any group of player or group of players out of the game for too long. Uh. I think that's just a good standard rule, and that applies even when players are up to secret player stuff. Make sure to switch focus back to uh, make sure to switch focus back to them when you can. And if it's a thing where like some players are going to be off on their own for a while, I would say for for like a long while, I would say include all the other players in there and let them fill in as like require. Combine everybody's <laughs> brains together to make the best out of what could be a bad situation. Yeah. All right. Shall we move to the video game topic then? Yeah. All right. So video game topic for the week is how forgiving should co-op games be for multiple players of different skill levels? Um, it's kind of appropriate that I'm playing a co-op game here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or what could be a co-op game, but I'm playing it single-player. Right. Kingdom Ups are a very good example of this. Yeah. And that's that's an interesting thing because I played. Uh, there's a at uh, CC's Pizza. They have a arcade machine with a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, and it's a actually it's a pretty cool game. Uh, you know, beat 'em up like retro. Ninja Turtles style, uh, but it's all with the new animation, like the current Ninja Turtles cartoon and stuff. Um, so it's it's a pretty cool little game. But uh, I was playing that with my kids, and uh, you know we had so many tokens, so I let them make their own decisions with the tokens as to whether they wanted to continue or not. Because so I think it was like, you know, two tokens a continue or four tokens a continue or something. So it was like more than anything else in the arcade i think and and they continued a couple of times more than i probably would have because i'm a cheap ass <laughs> i'm just like but i was like you know whatever you know we're we're it's fine you know you're having your arcade time whatever you know go fucking nuts and uh and i think i got you know you know i don't think i used a continue the time i i think i died and i was just like okay no i'm done now <laughs> but I lasted like the, you know, entirety of the time that we were playing almost, uh, where they each continued like three or four times. Cause yeah, you know, not to, you know, say my kids are crappy at games. I mean, they're fucking four and six, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> you're going to give them some more tokens and, and call it a day. That's what you're going to do. And if they don't get anything, then you can go over to the candy crane and it's wonderful. So it's, it's, it's all fine. Uh, but I, I, I did think that was a kind of an interesting, you know, thing that I could, 
Although arcade games, I feel like, are almost a different kind of thing because you can just continue as long as you have money anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so and they're, uh, it's a little bit uh, of a different story, but... They, they have a different design in that they're designed to eat quarters, so being on... And it's players mm-hmm. die, and they can hop just right back in because that's how most arcade games work. So yeah. just insert quarters and they jump back in. Yeah. It's like you don't even fall down. You're just invincible for five seconds, and then you you continue kicking the shit out of fucking foot soldiers. Yeah. Almost forgot to review my beer of the week, uh, which I said earlier, and you can see now is labeled at the bottom of the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, check us out on YouTube. Is Polliner, um, a uh, Martin Lager. Um, uh, for those of you not in the know, is your uh, Oktoberfest. Uh, it's called a Marzenlager, actually. Marzen is March in German because they uh, start the process in March and then they age it through until Oktoberfest. So huh. that's, that's where the name comes from. Um, this one's not terrible, but I'm not like crazy about it. Um, I'm going to give it a, like an 11. It's It's fine. I'm not a huge Martzen Lager guy, but I, I like them when they come around. Largely just because they're not available all year, I think. And then, you know, when they come out, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have some Oktoberfests. Because, you know, it's fucking Oktoberfest. Let's drink. Ah! Drink. So another thing that comes to mind for me that I've played a lot of co-op in is uh, Halo. And earlier Halo games were just kind of forgiving in co-op anyway. Because literally as long as one of you lived, you were okay. And you could, you know, the other guy would respawn and you could continue. And so that was actually exploitable in the very first Halo game. And I think in Halo 2 as well. I think Halo 3 was the one where they changed that, but it might not have been. It might have been Halo 2. I don't remember. But uh, in, in Halo 1 at least, I remember my, me and my brothers would exploit that. So we beat all the leg- the levels on Legendary, even though it would have been like really hard to do so. We would just like, you know, uh, first of all, we'd like kill each other at the... St- before we went into an encounter so that we could get more ammo (laughs) because every time you respawn, you respawn with a assault rifle that's full of ammo. And then if you kill that guy and he respawns with another assault rifle, then you can take the assault rifle ammo from the last life you had. And it also refills your health to full. So (laughs) there was a bunch of weird exploitable stuff in there. Um, I'm not sure that necessarily had anything to do with our different skill levels, but uh, what do you think about exploitable things in uh, co-op games like that? Uh, I think, I I think like any exploit, it's uh, depends on, well, it depends on the exploit. Co-op games are mainly there to be fun with your friends. So if you're, like, if it doesn't ruin the experience for you to use those exploits to play the game, just mm-hmm. fucking leave them in. Yeah. What's wrong What's wrong with that? I understand the game designer's desire to not do that. Mm-hmm. To 
make sure that those aren't left in. Yeah. But, I mean, that's why, I guess, you know, on Legendary difficulty in Halo 3 and, you know, past that, if you're on Legendary difficulty on co-op and either one of you dies, then it, it says game over and you have to restart to the last checkpoint. And that's much worse. <laughs> that should not be the case. Yeah, I think that's kind of annoying. Uh, which, I mean... I think we all beat it anyways on Legendary just because we were fucking Halo nuts in the back in the day. But, um, yeah, it was it was a major pain in the ass to have one of you die, and then it's like, but I'm still here. You know, can't I at least fight to the next checkpoint and get him after the fight or something? Like, give me a chance to get him back or, or something because, you know, one of us is still there. So... I'm not sure how it is in, in all of the Halo games, but that was how it was. I'm pretty sure in Halo 3 was the one that changed it. Oh, that's just a much worse design overall. I, mm -hmm. like, I, I understand that the original was more exploitable, mm -hmm. but they absolutely should... Uh, they should not punish you because your ally, your your friend is worse at the game than you, or just because they died in a certain place. They shouldn't just be like, oh, well, you lose, because uh, one of you apparently can't hold their weight. It's, okay. it's terrible co-op design. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I didn't feel like I was, like, horribly upset by it, because, you know, I had, you know... My brothers and me are thick-headed idiots. We'll we'll push through stuff if we want to anyways. And, and like I said, you know, Halo was one of our biggest things that we were into. So I'm not sure it really made a huge difference at the end of the day, but I I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, it's cuz it it was a pain in the ass and it's it it didn't really have a reason to be there other than to make it a pain in the ass, I feel like. Yeah, it's just they're, oh, we don't want them beating Legendary too easily. Uh, was it that case for just Legendary, or was it that case for Just Legendary. For, if okay. you were on maybe Heroic 2, but I, I think just Legendary. So on, on Easy, Normal, and Heroic, if you were playing on co-op, then it would have been like it was in Halo 1, where if one of you dies, they'll respawn as soon as the other one is, you know, in a safe area where there's no enemies or whatever. Okay, so it's a bit more reasonable. It's still, I still feel like you should be able to make it to the next checkpoint. If like you have three of you and two of you die, you should be able to make it to the next checkpoint and res both people with like a pistol or something. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, you were getting a downgrade by by respawning in most Halo games anyway. It's startly with like. Uh, you know, an assault rifle and a plasma pistol or something. It's like most basic gear. And it's like, assault rifle's fine. Plasma pistol, if you're that kind of guy, then you can make it work. But it's not ideal for most play styles. So it's like, I thought that was a fine enough mitigation. But at the same time, you're also resetting your assault rifle ammo every time. So it's like, eh, double-edged sword there. Yeah. I was also thinking, I've been playing this game Broforce. 
uh, co-op over the internet, and it's kind of an amazing mm -hmm. game. It's uh, but hold on, I gotta put my beer down. Uh, oh man, Chris put his beer down. Shit's my getting serious I gotta beat now. the shit out of these people. Uh, Shit's getting But it's kind serious. of like an homage to like '90s American action movies, like '90s right. and '80s. I feel like I saw uh, a preview for that or something. Yeah. And, but it's kind of like a Contra-like in that one bullet will take you out. It's definitely not as hard as Contra. It's a bit more balanced, I'd say. Can you still get 99 lives by putting in the Konami code? Uh, I don't think so. I didn't try. It's like, a, it's like an indie game. You don't just boot up every game you ever get and put in the Konami code just to see what happens? Nope. Me neither. I mean, being... being I wouldn't get rewarded most of the time. True. But when you did, sad. and you were the first guy to find that out, you'd be like, dude, I'm a badass. Yeah. Fair enough. Actually, I don't think uh, I've ever put the Konami code in any game. Really? I, I, I have it memorized by heart, because, you know, every gamer just knows the Konami code, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like it's just one of those things you gotta learn. Yeah, it's it's like when you're going through the Lost Woods in Ocarina of Time. Left, right, left, right, straight, left, right. No, yeah. right, left, right, left, straight, left, right. Anyway. Besides, I messed that up. I have to drink. You really gotta drink. Yeah, man. Ocarina of Time knowledge is, is like my thing. But, <laughs> but uh, the point I was getting at is that uh, in that game, the feel like it has a pretty good system for co-op but if it kept you out of play uh but it's very specific to that game and i feel like it could be bad in a different game because it that took slightly longer between spaces or whatever a game that was just very slightly different in design uh and that's you start with one level you start with like a random character and then you can find, like, tied-up hostages that are members of, like, your squad, and those are your extra lives. If somebody uh, dies, uh, you can find one of those rescued hostages, and that uh, dead person will spawn in as them, mm -hmm. as the rescued hostage, which is pretty cool. Uh, so, so... There is, like, periods of downtime, but they're usually less than 30 seconds if you died. Mm -hmm. uh, and the levels are short enough that no one's ever dead for too long. Even though it's very easy to die, it's also pretty quick to get through the levels. That's kind of uh, nice. One of my little issues that I have with... Uh... Jedi Fallen Order is it takes like a really long time to respawn if you die and I'm just like I feel like it shouldn't it doesn't need to take this long because like you have to wait for the thing to come up with the game over screen and then you have to push the button and then it's like okay do you want to load your save and you're like yes you dumbass and then you have to wait for it to load all the way back in and it it's like it just takes you out of the moment for like a little too long and I don't know. I feel like some games do that better than others. Um, but I don't know exactly what all goes into, you know, programming that kind of thing. So it's it's hard to say. So what I would say is that uh, if Broforce had longer levels where 
or it had fewer hostages. There's like hostages everywhere. You can always there's like five hostages and a really short level that takes about a minute and a half to get through. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it had fewer hostages or if the levels were longer, it could get really frustrating really quick where you could spend uh, half of your playtime or even three-fourths of your playtime just being dead, waiting for the one player who's alive to carefully move forward to a hostage so you guys can start going and guns blazing again. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it works really well for that game because you're never dead for more than, say, 30 seconds or so. Right. Uh, So I'm holding that up as both a good example that could be a bad example in slightly different circumstances. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. I think I liked how Scott Pilgrim, the movie, the game, uh, did people getting beat up and downed, Mm -hmm. which is that you have nine seconds to revive them and go up. Because yeah. even though it's a very generous window, that game's mostly about just beating up a shitload of enemies with your friends. They have a similar thing like that in Kirby Star Allies, uh, which is kind of an interesting mechanic for it. Uh, because that's a game that I played through with my wife when it came out. And we just beat the living shit out of it because it's it that is an easy as hell game. Like, even for Kirby, it's easy as shit. Uh and so like as an adult it's like it's not that bad and like because of the revive mechanic we never literally never even retried a single level um and but playing it with my four and six year old that's fun sometimes (laughs) because then you know i'll get to a point where you know i've just you know taken damage throughout the level uh and you know we'll be fighting a boss or something and then, you know, one of them will go down and I'll have to get over to them before they die or, you know, whatever. And and usually I can do it, you know, because I'm, you know, I've been playing video games for fucking ever. That's, you know, not, not that hard. But they're not always as good at, you know, assessing the situation. And I'm like, come save me, come save me. And they're like hold on, I'm fighting the boss. I'm like, don't fight the boss! You only have three seconds left. <laughs> so, that that's actually a pretty fun mechanic, I think, that kind of uh, balances it out a little for that sort of a scenario in, in Kirby Star Allies. That's a fun game, even if it is easy. I don't mean to, like, knock it, because it's easy. It's it's still fun. If you like Kirby, yeah. then check it out. I mean, if you I mean, like Kirby, you probably already bought it, so, you, you, whatever. I mean, I in theory like I, I've liked the Kirby games I've played, but I've never gone out of my way to buy them. So yeah, right. I should check that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come over. We'll sit down with my kids and play four-player yeah. co-op. When when COVID is over, I uh, I'll come over and we'll play, and I'll bring you a beer and twenty dollars. Sweet. And we'll play four-player co-op. Yeah, you owe me twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, hearkening back to the table topic. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, if you have a critical fail table, you can charge, and the real-life player has the money to spare, they might just decide to spend real cash to avoid one particular critical fumble. Yep, I have the best critical hit tables. (laughs) 
All right. Um, what else do you have to say on this topic? Anything specific? Uh, let's see. Also, uh, there was also the co-op games like what is it, PUBG, where you have the teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I guess especially on a large scale team like that, that that could be an that that is kind of an interesting dynamic. I never really thought about it because I don't, I don't play a whole lot of like battlegrounds games or anything like that. I played Fortnite like several matches in a night with some guys that I met on a little Facebook switch chat group that that are like talking about Nintendo Switch news all the time and then when it came out they were like hey we're doing a Fortnite night and I was like okay this game is popular I'll check it out see what you know what the hubbub is about and it was it was fine I it wasn't really my thing it's it's not a bad game but I don't feel it deserves the hype it gets but yeah but yeah that's that is a totally kind of a different because I was playing with, you know, some of the guys I was playing with had, like, played Fortnite on, you know, other platforms before it came to Switch and stuff like that. So they know the map and they know where to go. Uh, they know, you know, some of the places where you're more likely to get loot, where people don't usually go and stuff like that. And so I'm just kind of, you know, along for the ride trying to figure out how the hell to play this game. Because on a Switch controller, I feel like it's cumbersome interface i feel like this game was built to have a pc interface so that you can hotkey a lot of stuff to do all your weird building shit that you do in that game and on a switch controller it's like possible but weird and so for like almost the whole night i just was like you know occasionally i would try to build stuff if we had downtime but 90% of the time, I was just like, okay, we're playing Call of Duty, right? I, fuck this. <laughs> I'm just going in with all of my shooter knowledge and nothing else. And I actually won first place in my first Battle Royale, so that was that was cool. I never got close again. So you have, like, a big case of beginner's luck in Battle Royales, apparently. Yeah, I do, because I, I got that in Tetris 99 as well. Yeah. I'm like, I should try Mario 35, see if I win. <laughs> yeah. What I was going to say about PUBG is that it does have a revive mechanic, but it is very easy to get downed and then killed, and then your team just has to move on without you, and you can be kind of in the... You can be kind of on the ropes for mm -hmm. 10 or 15 minutes or so, which is less of a good thing co-op, I think. Yeah. There's a kind of a revive mechanic like that in one of the old Battlefield games. Um, it was kind of interesting where... Uh, but I think only the medic class could actually revive players that once they had fallen down. And uh, so my brother Josh played a medic a lot and because uh, I was shotgun man. And I, I, I remember one time where specifically like... We were going in and, and attacking some shit, and I, um, I got shot down, and my brother comes up to me to save me. I'm like, no, no, go away. He's like, no, I got time to revive you. And I'm like, no, there's a tank, and the tank fucking ran over both of us. <laughs> I'm like, damn it, Josh. I told you. 
I couldn't spit out the words fast enough, though. I was like, get away! There's this tank! It's like, there's a what? <laughs> We're dead. Yeah. Oh, shit. <clears throat> Terrible. Don't get killed by that dude. Mm -mm -mm. Beer is good. Um. So yeah, do you think that there's like should be some sort of mitigating way that games like this with large, large scale multiplayer kind of make use of like organized players by skill level, or or how should that work? I I feel like. MMR is a thing, or matchmaking is a thing that games have figured out, but routinely need reinvent the wheel on. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we know how to match up people of roughly equivalent skill level with each other. But it's so often the case that we don't, and I, and I'm not sure what the thing is with uh, matches of a hundred. It may be harder to find that many people of roughly equivalent skill level playing at that the same time if you have like a hundred players playing in a match. Yeah, that's kind of true. I guess depending on which kind of version you're doing of it that it might be able to kind of be fixed because like you could theoretically make an algorithm that like if you've got like this many level one players and this many level five players or whatever then it could split them up evenly between teams or something uh if there is teams because uh one of the fortnite modes is 50 on 50 and one of the fortnite modes is i think 25 teams of four uh so in those cases, I feel like you could make a little bit more of a balanced thing in theory. Uh, but in the 100-player free-for-all, then it's just like, I don't even know what to do there, you know? Yeah. Let's see. 100-player... The thing about the four-player... Oh, shit. Don't get your ass kicked, Chris. Getting my ass kicked? I see that. Watch out as uh, power waves come back. Nope, I'm dead. Oh, man. That means we have to drink. If you're drinking along at home... I am drinking. Say R.I.P. Chris, or uh, whatever that chick's name is. Kill, kill. Kyoko, apparently. Kyoko. 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 Not abobo. Yeah. At least That's... it's not a bo 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 bo. Yeah, this guy doesn't have enough hair for a bo 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 bo. Yeah. The bona fide botector of hair. That anime was so stupid, it was amazing. I only I ever saw a few episodes of it, but it will always stick with me. 
I follow a Twitter account that just posts uh, out of context clips from that show. And every time I'm like, I think I watched every episode that Adult Swim ever put on of this show. And I have no idea where this is in the timeline. What the fuck's going on? Every time I'm just like, what? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else we need to say on this topic before we bring things to a close, my good co-hosty guy? Uh, I don't think so. All right. Well, in that case, thank you for joining us on our uh, Drink to the Past uh, live stream. So I think we're going to be live streaming it uh, occasionally from here on out, maybe every Friday. Uh, I mean, that works for me. Theoretically, it should, you know, save resources, I think, maybe. Because then I don't have to save the video all the time. But, you know. I'll, I'll work out the logistics. You just keep drinking along at home. That's our catchphrase, right? Something like that. Uh, I say it a lot. I, we, we have a lot of catchphrases. Actually, you I'll have drink a lot of to catchphrases. That. I'm not sure that I have any catchphrases. Catchphrase is a weird... Uh, word because it's one of the few words in the English language that has six consecutive consonants. T C H P H R. Huh. That is like such a specific thing to know. Yeah, I think there's a couple of... I, I looked this up once because I was looking at the word catchphrase and I was like, is that the most in the English? I think there's a few like seven consecutive consonant words or eight. Maybe. There might be an eight. I, th I think there's a couple of sevens. I don't remember. So it's not the most consecutive consonants, but it's, it's probably the one with six or more that comes up the most. I would guess. Anecdotally. It's probably one of the in terms of common words. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. As always, my name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, uh, your host of Drink to the Past. You can catch me over on Two Guys Playing Zelda.com and Two Guys Playing Zelda Gaming. Just look up TGPZ Gaming. Um, check them out. Uh, they're also on YouTube uh, and they've also got a podcast. It's pretty fun. Look up Busted Buttons wherever you get podcasts. Uh, they do pretty fun gaming discussion. More or less the same sort of thing that we do, but uh, a little, a little different format uh, for the video game discussion. Um, so th they're a ton of fun. Um, and of course, you can find me on Twitter at spamomanospam and uh, Chris at shatterspike one. If you're not watching on YouTube, because if you were watching on YouTube, you could see that at the bottom of the screen. Look at me plugging the YouTube shit. I'm so great. Yeah. And of course, this is my glorious co-host. That's you. Hi, I'm Chris, uh, busy dying against this guy on River City Girls Audet. Uh, you can find my writings on DriveThruRPG and HIO. I have written a House of Flowers, which is a old-school D&D compatible adventure. It designed for our house system, Five Cataclysms Core Rules Beta Edition, which I have uh, co-wrote with my co-author, who has not joined us in a while, actually. Uh, but you can also find his adventures on those same locations under Five Cataclysms, but uh, my the stuff that I wrote is free, and the stuff that he wrote, you need to pay money for. But his stuff is well worth uh, paying money for, so, you know, please, please go do that. 
I had money once. And that brings us to the final segment of the podcast where we just talk about inane bullshit until somebody says something really hilarious and awkward and I cut off the podcast. So, yeah, there's that. We've been going up and down from one concurrent viewer to zero the basically the entire time. We, we briefly had two concurrent viewers, so that's our new record. So next time we have three concurrent viewers, I'm going to call it a record and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to drink for it, so... Tell well, everything's friends. a record once. Oh, we're back down to zero. Nobody's watching. Poor us. Cool. What a shame. They did it just because they were upset about us talking about them. Right, yeah. I'm like, we have one concurrent viewer, and he's like, oh, fuck this noise. Bye. <laughs> 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 Getting out of there. Yeah, so, uh... Anyways, um, yeah. So what, what kind of inane bullshit should we talk about, Chris? Uh, me kicking this guy in the nuts. Kick him in the nuts. Like, some people pay, pay good money for, uh, for that, you know? Yeah. I think I'm gonna go download that on my Xbox while I'm waiting for the, uh, audio version to finalize. You're gonna go download the... Oh, River City Girls. I was very confused there for a second. What were you thinking? Get your mind out of the gutter, bud. <laughs> I mean... Not that I don't have much porn on my Xbox. I mean, that's not... It's just not, like, a good place for porn, I guess. 